Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Lake Mount Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry of Lake Mount Worship Center, and we are on a mission to connect young adults to the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ. We meet every Monday night at 7 p.m., and we'd love to have you join us. You can find more information on our socials, but in the meantime, we hope you enjoy the message for this week. How you guys doing? Good. How many people were at the baptisms last week? Sweet. Okay, is anybody on the lighting board? Oh yes, hi, I see that hand. Can I do a little more light there, less on me? <laughs> I'm not 30 anymore. I don't need the wrinkles to find. Thank you. If we did all dark here, light there, that would be just perfect. Awesome. Okay, so that was an incredible time. Amen. Good to see God moving. And if you, like, relate to God through nature, that was just kind of like a double duty, right? Like, God, I see your goodness here and here. And we just combined it. But I just wanted to say I hope and pray we will do it again. Just so you know, we will never do it in May because it would be really cold. Matt was like, that was sub-zero. I was like, you're the best pastor alive on the planet because, you know, everybody else got to go in and out, and you were like, come on, come on. And I could tell by his eyes he was like half panicking, like, please walk faster. (laughs) It was great. I hope we do it again, right? It would be great. All right. Tonight. Well, we have been talking about worship here as a house and as a community at LYA as well, but I want to touch on drawing near to God because when we talk about worship, we're talking about giving, adoration, affection, attention, everything about our heart to God, and sometimes I think we can get a little bit messed up in that we think, if I do that, I'm going to feel God pursue me like crazy. Like, maybe I'll feel God pursue me, and then I will do those things. And tonight I want to say, when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. But it is not outside the confines of that he chased you down with his loving kindness and you felt drawn in, okay? There are steps and progression in our walk with God that we need to embrace and walk into as disciples and as disciplined ones who are walking with the Lord. Does that make sense? Okay, we don't stay at pursuit only, okay? If you're dating and you really love the chase and you broke up every time the chase was over because you felt gotten. Like, oh, I've been on a date. Now the flutters are gone. There's no wonder it's over. You have a commitment issue. Raise your hand if you have. We'll just put you guys in that section over here and all the available open hearts over here. And then we're going to have a great year next year. Just kidding. Anyway, I do wonder, guys, what does it take to get married around here? Like, are y'all so picky? 
like super picky, high standards, which I applaud. Like character, I get it. But like job and sneakers, I don't understand. Like, oh, you wore the wrong shoes, wrong brand. I don't really like your t-shirts. Girls, that's what you're for. You actually like to dress a guy, so get over it. Guys, there is no supermodel Christian that, okay, I'll skip those things. Like, we're all good-hearted girls who want to make a home and a life with you. Can we make this work? Nope, just me. All right, and this is why I'm married. <laughs> all right. Okay, so drawing near to God. I actually want to share with you a little bit of a heart journey of drawing near to God because I haven't always felt close to God. And that might surprise you because I am a pastor. But I have gone through some journey in my heart that has caused me to feel far from God. If you can relate, I would love to see your hand. And I'm not talking like I don't know how to pay my next bill. I mean, I've had some heartache. Okay? It leaves an imprint on your heart. We're going to do quiet night. Okay. Circle time. Okay. My heart journey with um, the Lord has not just been one thing. It's been several things, but I would say the biggest thing in my life has been a grief journey of losing my daughter, Sarah. Our daughter. I guess it's not just mine. I have to share. Um, where my faith was believing for a miracle because she was sick. And I believe and I have received much healing, much deliverance, salvation, love. I've received the whole New Testament gamut from the Lord. And I expected it for my daughter. I expected that when I prayed, I would receive. And leaned in for three years like, God, please. God, please. Had everybody around the planet that we knew praying believing, pressing in. And I have to tell you, there's no heartache like losing a kid on this side of the earth because psychologically, they're supposed to bury you. You have a child and you dream for them. You dream with them. They are part of your future. They're like You see the future in them and then that's gone and cut off. Put inside their faith of believing and receiving and then not. That part gets cut and injured. Okay, so I want to talk to you about that because I do believe that for some of us where we've had an infliction of pain in our heart, that the Holy Spirit actually wants to minister. And you might say, why does she always talk about pain? Because I actually believe the devil is a dirty rotter and he loves to cut in and lie to us where pain is from the world. Pain is not from God. And he, the enemy lies and steals and kills and destroys our destiny with these minuscule lies that detour us off course. And we have a hard time getting back to, I don't understand if God's love is real. Why this? Ever said that? I have. But why, God? Do it like that. But why, God? 
you could do it like that. I don't get it, but why? If you can, why not? Okay, those things cause your heart to do a little over here. Okay, and in those moments, why I like to bring it up, because the scripture actually talks about it a lot. It talks about your heart a lot. There's no one that can know your heart except God. So when we need to continually bring it before him, I want to keep doing that with you guys because I've had to do that. And for sometimes in that journey, that has felt alone. That has felt like, ah, how do I do this? There's a lot of faith. There's a lot of believing in me. There's a lot of steadfastness, but what do I do with this? It feels bigger than anything else, and it's starting to interpret this, and I don't want that. Okay, so tonight I actually feel like there's freedom in the room and hearts that are going to be mended because of who he is. It's because of who he is. Who he is. Can we just all pray that my teeth line up really, really fast? Because I'm really, getting a lisp when you're 49 is not cool. Like, it's cool when you're five and you're like, hello. <laughs> and it surprises me every time. I'm like, wow. Anyway, sorry, I digress. All right, intimacy. When I say intimacy, do you cringe? No, some of you do. All right, intimacy is actually being fully known in your full state, nothing hidden. Now do you cringe? Good, if you don't cringe, awesome. That means you're on a good path. If intimacy, the word actually scares you, being fully known by someone, being fully seen, him being fully aware, if that scares you, I want you to just shove it into a tidy box. We're not going to shove it down. We're just going to put it right here because the Holy Spirit's going to minister to that. But I actually want you to acknowledge it. Like, mm, I don't like that word. I don't like how that applies to my walk with God or others. Okay? Because here's a little pro tip. How you walk with God, you will walk with others. It's your view. If you can't view him right, you won't view his kids right. Okay? So it's really important that we're all ears and all heart tonight. Okay? So at Christmas, we are made very aware of the intimacy that God has for us by sending Jesus. What a sweet plan and an intimate plan that he would interrupt time, history, all of creation, everything. He would stop it, interrupt it. And bring us the baby Jesus here on earth. Okay? He takes on flesh, Jesus. Okay? So if you're newer to faith, the Godhead is God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are a working unit. They function together with different personality and expression. Okay? God the Father has a plan. I'm going to send an expression of my son to earth. The only thing he's known is the throne room and angels worshiping him. Okay? Now let's talk about intimacy. I'm going to take on flesh because I love you. I'm going to take it on. I'm going to be put into a body. 
because of sinners that I love so much. And I'm going to make a way for them out of my deep love. And I'm going to call them unto myself. I don't know about you, but anything that is a little bit uncomfortable, it's fine, I'm 49. Anything that is a little uncomfortable, like having braces, like you think about it a lot. You contemplate it, like, is this a good idea? I don't know if I like being uncomfortable. Is that going to make people think that I'm weird? Like, you do, everybody's thinking for them, and then some. Like, the generations to come, you're worrying for them. There's no need, but we do it anyway, okay? Jesus is thinking generationally. He has the right to actually think past, present, and future, because that's who he is. And he thinks about when he's coming, and he's thinking about the end, okay? And he chooses to come at Christmas and takes on flesh. He draws near to us. He's not afar. He's not distant. He's intimate. He's intimate. He made a way for us, okay? That is actually the nature of God's love, that he would lay down everything and come close. That is intimacy. I'm going to let you see all of it. And what you do with it is on your terms. Like you decide. That's beautiful. That's vulnerable. That's open. It's amazing. No love like it. I want to share tonight and explore the deeper parts of relationship that we can have with Jesus and that we're intended to have. So let's just pray because I realize some of this is needing to get a little deeper. So we're going to let it, right? Okay. The word of God is meant to cut between our soul and our spirit. So some things that get stuck in your soul, and I said stuck, stuck in your soul need to get into your spirit. And the word of God helps cut it off so that it can actually get into that chamber. Okay? So, Father, I thank you that you're here in this room. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that your assignment was to bring us to yourself through salvation, through the cross, through your deep love for us. And so, Father, I pray that you'd open the ears of our heart, God. You'd give us the eyes of understanding to know your ways, to know the way of love that you've laid out for us as believers, as ones who know you and are following you, God. Help us tonight, Father, to be open, vulnerable, and honest with your Holy Spirit who's here to counsel us and lead us into all truth so that we'd be set free, so that we would be light, so that we'd be carriers of truth, so that we would be people who are full of wisdom and full of godly counsel, that we would be ones who bear your image well. And so, God, I ask tonight that your Holy Spirit would hover in this room like it did at creation. And, Father, that the Spirit of God would create and recreate in us the places in our heart that need to be mended. Father, the places in our heart that need to be enlightened. Father, the places in our heart that need your interpretation. Father, we say yes to your voice and yes to your will in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. James 4, verse 7 and 8. Let's read it. It says, Submit 
yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Sounds like scripture we've all heard, right? Okay, but let's break it down. Because it's not just a scripture that we pass over. It's actually, can you do this? Do you do this? It's a great checklist. Submit to God. Okay, so it really isn't about God just pursuing me. I play a part. I'm a co-laborer with Christ. I get it. What's my part? I have to submit. What's submitting? We don't love this word in our culture either, so let's just come above some cultural jargon. Submitting is yielding to a higher power, authority, or process. I yield to it. I submit to it. I come under it. That's submission. Okay? So submit yourselves then to God. So with that definition, come on into that verse. I yield, I come under his authority and his process. That's how I come to God. That's how I start drawing near to him. I think that's pretty powerful. So a particular process is in submission, which is yielding to it. So I can talk about submission all day long, but if you don't yield to it, it doesn't do anything, right? If I say I, I okay, that would be really touchy. Um, let's just not use the word picture. <laughs> okay, so if we don't yield to some, I know, everybody's defenses are going to get all prickly, and then we're going to be like, this is why we're not married. Okay, got it. Anyway, so if there is a boss in your life, do you know you submit to them every day? You're doing things their way. It's their company, and you're in their process. Go outside of it and watch your two-week severance pay come with you. Right? Come on, guys. You've got to participate here. Right? Okay, why? Because you chose to. I'm choosing to serve you as my boss. I actually want to catch your vision for what you do. I want to serve you. I want to bring about what is going on. Okay, I choose it. Every morning I put on my uniform and I get there. I serve my butt off and bring in some income for you. I submit under your rules. I come in when you say. I go home when you say. Unless you're Matt Reed and you stay late. And you serve extra. <laughs> this guy showing everybody up today. Sorry, Matt. All right. He's submitting. Okay? You're submitting. We're all submitting in a workplace. We didn't make the rules unless you work for yourself. But you're still submitting to some rules. Or else you don't get a paycheck. Okay? You're yielding to a process. So think of it in terms of serving Jesus. It's not a free-for-all. Does that make it a religious, there's so many rules. No. 
It's relationship. If you never submit in a relationship, you're a bullheaded know-it-all. And you probably don't get it yet. Okay, there is a back and forth submission in relationship that makes it doable. It makes it compromising. It makes it peaceful and loving. It makes it understanding. There's a whole lot of fruit of the spirit going on in there. It makes it work. If we don't come in to a relationship with Jesus, understanding that we submit to him, we've missed the point. There's a way that he's doing things. Have you heard the term, the kingdom of God? Okay, so when I was in school, we used to pray the Lord's Prayer. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Every day. Every day we'd pray that. I think back to that and I'm like, oh my Lord, was I born in like another decade? Yes, I was. Um, Okay, so there is a thing called the kingdom of God, okay? So we enter into it with salvation and believing. We submit to it by being in the process of discipleship, okay? The submission is in here, the things that he's laid out. They're not rules. Just hear me as like an older person who has been around this. I've heard all of your arguments and I don't agree. They're not religious rules. I can promise you they are a heart of a loving father who wants to put a boundary around you for safety and for a life that will flourish and prosper. He wants to be able to bless you. And how can he bless you when you're living blessable? When you live a life that says, God, find me right here. I'm living open, honest, and able to take on whatever you have for me. I don't have a guilty conscience. I don't have lots of baggage. I'm just living pure and free because that's what you said the cross would give me. Okay? So we submit to where he lays this out for us. All right. Resist the devil and he will flee. We all love this one. When we get into temptation, we're like, resist the devil. Resist the devil. Close your eyes. Walk away. Close your eyes. Walk away. Oh, it's still there. Okay? Resist the devil and he will flee. How do you resist? You don't have to say it out loud. I'm just trying to get you to think. How do you resist? If you don't have a game plan with the enemy, you're way behind. Can I just tell you that? We're supposed to be actually be aware of the enemy's schemes. That is not playing for the other team. That's not playing for the other side. You are unaware of where you're going to get tripped up if you don't know how he trips you up. Okay, be a little wiser. <laughs> Think back. If you don't journal, that's a shame. I've learned a lot about myself through journaling. Like, oh my gosh, I do the same stupid thing all the time with the same stupid people. I'm not hanging out with them anymore. I won. Okay, if the enemy knows your kryptonite, take it away from him. Be aware of the enemy's schemes. We're supposed to be wise, right? Right. Okay, so we're not up in the clouds. Woo, I love Jesus. <laughs> we're actually full of wisdom. We have the mind of Christ. 
we can know where the enemy likes to trip us up. So we withstand, we combat, and we counteraction where the enemy likes to cut in on us. That's how we resist the devil. Okay? If you have not done that, this is your week. I'm telling you, it could all turn around. If you are like, this friend makes me swear and vape and steal. And I don't know. I'm just... Like, you got stupid friends, first of all. Second, second, why are you hanging out with that particular friend? A companion of fools comes to ruin. Check the behavior, list it out, and grow. Be discipled. Submit, resist, and he will flee. Okay, sometimes that looks like you fleeing because the Holy Spirit's going to empower you to actually have his mind like, ding, ding, ding. Here we go, round two. You got what it takes this time? Why, yes, I do, because I figured it out. Only took me 49 years. Okay, we want to be able to counteract the enemy's plans. Why? Because his only plan for you is to wipe you out. If the kingdom of God is full of joy, peace, righteousness, and the Holy Ghost, his plan is to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. Which one sounds better? Just saying. Like, where's the sales pitch on the other one? And if something, like the Bible's also in here. If I was Matt Tapley, I could tell you scripture verse and probably page number. But it does say that sin is fun for a season. And then it'll kill you, rob from you, you'll feel it. It'll eat your bones. So how are we not aware? We are. Sometimes we just don't care. Because we're a little more selfish than saved. Okay, check the process in your life for salvation. You are saved, meaning called out of. Okay, can you recall a time when you knew you were being tempted? And again, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I got my own problems. Okay, can you see where the enemy was lying to you right there? If you think back. If you go way back and it produced no good fruit in you, can you see where he twisted it, made it like, ooh, this is going to be awesome, made your hormones soar, all the things that you're like, no, I'm pretty sure my flesh is saying yes. You're right, it is. But who's ruling? It should be your spirit. Your spirit should be out front. Okay? So where the enemy was lying to you, did you choose his way or your way? This is a great reflective question. Again, if you hang out with groups of people, this is awesome. If you fall into sin quickly, and I'm sorry if this is like just elementary, but I feel like I just need to hit this hard. If you fall into sin quickly, please get good godly friends around you and tell them, I need you to call me on my poo. Like, don't let me shine you on. 
Don't let me tell you anything. Here is where the enemy likes to rob from me. This is where he likes to steal from me. He likes to play mind games and tell me that I'm winning and that it sucks to be a Christian. Tell somebody the truth so that they can throw a life preserver. Now here on the other side. When the life preserver comes, we're not all judgmental idiots. Okay? That is called accountability in the kingdom of God. It's called living biblically. I'm trying to call you up higher. I'm trying to show you where the enemy is trying to steal from you. Don't listen to him. Resist him. It doesn't make us judgmental. It makes us a life preserver. Grab hold. Okay? Please know that if you don't have friends like this, you need them. You need them in your life. Okay? I have a few of them, and I thank God that I do, because there were days when I was journeying through my Sarah stuff that I was like, I don't even know which way is left or right anymore. And people would be like, are you okay today? No. No, I'm not. I feel like grabbing a bottle of Jack Daniels and drowning my sorrows. And if I never wake up, awesome. I think you're being lied to. You're right, I am, but my emotions are way out front because I'm grieving and I don't know what to do about it. Awesome, I'm going to come sit with you. Thank you. I just stayed on the way. I stayed being discipled. I resisted the enemy, and he had to flee. Okay? It's not that I'm strong. It's that he gives grace to those that will humble themselves and say, I'm not doing so great. But there is a higher way, and we can keep each other on it. Okay? All right. When we do things his way, we have the ability to withstand the devil, and when we withstand, he flees. How many of you would love if the enemy would just flee? Okay, he can. You just have to figure out your superpower with him. I know where you attack me. Now I know how need, now I need to know how to attack you. I need to know how to resist you. I need to know how to flee. What does that look like? Put some wisdom and some feet to it. It may save your soul. Okay? You are not a powerless Christian. I promise you. Jesus did not die on the cross and choose a horrible way to save you so that you could be powerless. Because he's all powerful. Because he has all dominion. He controls everything. You are not powerless. You bear his image. What he has, he said, I can give to you. Okay, so the next verses are a beautiful invitation to us. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Okay, so think of the thoughtfulness that you're now engaging God with. I'm going to submit to you in every way. My thoughtfulness is turned towards you. My heart is turned towards you. I'm going to resist the enemy wherever I see his schemes, and then... I'm going to draw near to you, and you're going to draw near to me. Think of the pursuit that is all on your plate in these verses. 
that's amazing. Do you know you actually can be like in more pursuit of God than the person beside you? Like you can be closer to him? I think we should have a competition. No, just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was heresy. You can tell Matt. You can tell him. I'll get in trouble later. <laughs> okay. When we draw near to God, he draws near to us. So again, we were all bought with a price. We were all brought into this kingdom by his loving kindness, okay? Raise your hand if you had an encounter with God and it absolutely changed everything about your heart. You're like, oh, my world has just got flipped upside down. This is crazy, okay? For some of us, that is an encounter with the Holy Spirit. For some of us, that is a journey of truth. We keep engaging truth, and our mind keeps changing. And it's not this, I got the goosebumps feeling. It is, wow, look at the strength and the journey that I've had with God. Acknowledge it. You might never get the goosebump feelings. That's okay. You have a steadfast faith. Hold on to it. You don't need to seek the goosebump feelings. If they find you, they find you. If you have goosebump feelings and no steadfast faith, I'd say do both. Okay? Get both in your roster. Okay? We are drawn in by his loving kindness. Romans 2.4 tells us that. Again, 2.4. Don't write down the wrong one. Okay? What can happen when we walk with God in life and its circumstances, it can dull your heart. The circumstances start dulling your reflection of God because we actually don't see his face to face, okay? We want to. In worship, we can encounter him. And when we draw near to, we can. But when we're not getting to that place, our heart can tell us certain things that are untrue, and they keep us from the encounter of a face-to-face -face with him. Okay? So we want to make sure that we are submitting, resisting the enemy's scheme that keeps us sidetracked from drawing close to God. Okay? Who's ever felt far from God? Okay? This is literally like truth night. Okay? It's okay. It's okay. That doesn't mean he doesn't love you. That doesn't mean his spirit left you. That doesn't mean that there's something deadly wrong unless there's sin in your life and you need to deal with it. That is sometimes how he, like, gets our attention, like, hey, you can't bring that into my throne room. Sometimes. Okay? But sometimes he's just silent so that we get really hungry. Like, ah, I remember your voice. I remember your love. I remember the passionate embrace of your presence. I remember that I would weep in front of you. I remember when you'd speak to me, it felt like air in my lungs. And then sometimes he's quiet. You're like, oh, is it you or is it me? Okay? He does pursue us, but it's not all on him. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Okay, so what do you do when circumstances leave your heart offended? 
So pain, another word for that is offense. Any pain that's in your heart comes from an offense. It's a misinterpretation or an actual event that inflicted pain. What do you do? This is another great question. What do I do when I'm offended with Jesus himself? Again, I'm telling you that I was offended with Jesus. I know that you heal. I've seen it. I've participated. I've been on the receiving end. Could you just go a little farther? Could you continue being the God you said you are? What do you do in your offense with Jesus? Okay, let's look at a woman in the Bible who was offended <laughs> by his answers. In Matthew 15, Jesus is with his disciples. So 15, 22 to 29, he's walking with his disciples and a Canaanite woman comes to him. And so it says, a Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Okay, first of all, let's acknowledge she knew who Jesus was, knew how great he was, comes to him in need. This is what he has been doing. This is why she's coming. I've heard. I know this is what you do. Okay, believing. And her daughter is demon-possessed, okay, and suffering terrible, so she's desperate. Jesus did not answer a word. Rude, Jesus. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Ow. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Okay, that's a tenacious heart. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Okay. So in the scripture, Jesus gives the silent treatment. And then calls her a name. A dog. Which, let's just say, still not a polite term. Silent treatment calls her a name, ignores her, puts her in a category of, I didn't come for you. Ow. Like, put yourself there. You have heard that someone in the region is the Messiah. And when he walks into the region, people get free. People get saved. Lepers have body parts grow back. Demon-possessed people get free. And she comes 
knowing she's crossing the cultural line and is like, I don't care. I'm desperate. I know you can. And he totally ignores her. Not the reputation he built in her mind, offended. Calls her a dog, offended. And yet she keeps pursuing. She keeps pursuing, okay? I'm gonna linger here because how many times have we walked away from God or church or other people because we have this really small offense? This is Jesus coming to settle the planet down and make a way. And he's like, hmm. you dog. Like, I can't even picture it because I have this, like, loving Jesus in my mind. But this is offensive. Y'all need to, like, shake your head, do something. Is that offensive? Okay, would you be offended? Have you ever prayed? Come after God for something you know he can do and it hasn't happened? Yes. That's where offense slips in. That's where the enemy loves to rob from us. It's where he likes to steal peace from us and steal what we think of God. Okay? I want to point out that there was nothing in this woman's pursuit that stopped. Nothing, not one offense. And can I just, like you have to sit in the cultural essence of this. Women don't pursue men in that culture. They don't just walk up and talk to them, especially a Jewish man. She's a Canaanite. Okay, there's nothing in scripture by accident. It's putting it on, there on purpose so that you get the point. She is an outsider who believes. You think that's why Jesus came, right? I want to get everybody. And he's like, nope. Right now my mission is the children of Israel. Okay, but what about the Samaritan woman? And he isolates this lady into something that we don't see from Jesus again in scripture. Okay? Why it's here is you can find your heart in any season of life in scripture, and it can give you the tools to walk through in wisdom, okay? So she has to push past a fence that is being spoken to her out loud for everyone to hear. Embarrassing. Embarrassing, shameful, disappointing. Add all the adjectives and emotions to that that you would like. You just have to put yourself there. She's suffering with a demon-possessed daughter who is out of control. And she finally gets a flicker of hope that this Jesus can figure this out. And he offends her. Okay? John Wimber, who was a preacher in the States, said, what if God offends the mind to reveal the heart? What if God offends your mind to reveal your heart. I can tell each and every one of you that you will have this moment in your life with God at some point. 
not because life is awful or that it's going to be. I'm not talking doom and gloom. I'm saying there will be a time in your life where you feel the offense of God's response. And what happens in your heart and your mind is really important. Because this is where the enemy would love to rush in and steal from you. Okay? So here's what has happened in our culture. North American, I mean. Okay? So it's not a small moment when you don't get what you asked for. Let's just acknowledge that. I can relate to some pain in the room. It's in here, so just acknowledging it's not small. Okay? But here's what can happen. We lose hope. And here's where that look, what that can look like is we exit the church out of disappointment. We're so offended that this is the place that we say, it didn't happen, so I'm done here. I have some pain, and it relates to here, I'm out. We've lost hope. Did you know hope is the anchor to your faith? When you lose hope, your faith will start to dwindle. So take care of hope. Make sure that it's alive. If you're feeling hopeless, again, your community is a big deal. <laughs> get them praying for you. Hope is an anchor. Don't let it get uprooted. Okay? We can lose faith. We stop believing Jesus is who he says he is. We stop believing Jesus does miracles. We stop believing that he can move mountains. Because we're offended. That may be the Bible stories, that may be my friend's stories, but he's not doing it for me, so that's not who he is. Not true. We interpret our unraveling of a moment with God, but we have all of eternity to figure it out with him. Okay? We can't take a momentary offense and change your faith for it. We have to interpret it with him, not without him. Okay, is this making sense? Okay, we can lose heart. So you either lose hope, lose faith, lose heart. And this is where going to church and Elia becomes a weekly activity and social instead of my pursuit with God. I'm after the one thing. I'm after him and him alone. This has just become social because I am protecting myself. I'm not deeply pressing into worship. I could care less. I don't want to draw near. That's where you get hurt. If that's true for you, that actually is true for you. But the Holy Spirit's here to actually minister to that tonight because you can't live without loving God back. You can't. When he's loved you, you will be miserable until you are in full pursuit of loving him back. It's what you were made for. So you will be confused and frustrated until you're walking in that purpose. Okay? Again, this passage ends with the woman pressing into Jesus and getting her miracle. But what if our miracles come in a different way than we perceive them coming? What if what you prayed for 
out of your desperation and out of your need, what if God meets it in a different way? And what if you don't see it in that year? What if you see it 10 years later? Can you hold on? Can you anchor yourself to hope that, no, I know that I have been bought with the blood of Jesus. I know I had an encounter with a loving God. I know that I am saved by faith. I know that he is pursuing me as I am pursuing him. Okay, you have to hang on. What if in our moment of offense, Jesus is actually up to something? we have to respond first. So I prayed through my offense. I wept through my offense. I talked through my offense. I prayed again through my offense. But I kept moving. Okay, Knowing that the strength of what I had built in the good times was going to hold me in the times where I was offended and hurt, okay? So when you're in the good times, if that's you tonight, listen to me loud and clear. Pour everything you can into your well. Pour everything you can into making your faith strong and steadfast. And I mean devour your Bible, Get good friendships around you. Create great practices that will bring you closer to Jesus. Make that time indispensable so that you have a reservoir to draw from when you have an offense. Okay? When I was praying one day, I read 1 Corinthians 13, 13, which we all read at weddings for some reason, but it's actually written to the church, not to a husband and wife. So here, this is the verse that stood out. I won't read them all. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Okay, he goes on to say that you could be like, you know, casting out demons and you could be declaring all the prophecies. But if you're not doing this with love, you're just really noisy in my kingdom, and I don't like it. Ow. Okay. Sorry, Lord. Okay. So here's my reflective moment while I'm in the car. Again, weeping, because that's what you do when you're offended. You're just like, (laughs) God, I'm a mess. And I don't know why. Okay. The greatest of these is love. I don't know how many times I've heard that. It's on my wall. It's like, I repeat it when I'm mad at Matt. The love is patient. Love is kind. Get to the end. Okay, love. Greatest of these is love. Move into love. Okay? I would say the Holy Spirit took me on the quickest journey. I know that I had faith. I got that one down on lock, key, back. Like nothing is moving my faith. And that's not an arrogant statement. You should be able to say that. I have faith that remains. I have a steadfast faith because I intentionally built it. I know what's in the ground. I know what's in the well. I know what's in the roots. I have a strong faith. So now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. 
through my journey with God, I actually had hope restored in me. It was like, thank you, Jesus, for touching the places where I needed to get anchored back to, where my faith needed to be, anchored back to with hope into your kingdom, into your heart. I needed those moments with the Holy Spirit, okay? He counsels us into that place when we're hurting, okay? I had that. Bible hope is actually the confident expectation of what God has promised and its strength in his faithfulness. I have never doubted that God loves me, that he's for me, and that he's faithful, even when I don't see it, okay? What was missing was love. I had love, but it was offended. It wasn't full, and it wasn't complete. It had been robbed, and it was like this empty sieve. Just every time I felt the love of God, it would drain out the bottom. Like, I, I need another love encounter. I need another love encounter. Because I was so offended with the man love itself. He's unconditional love, but I had this hole that I needed him to fix. So I leaned in and realized I was operating in love, which I thought, this is what I do, this is who I am, this is what I'm called to, but I couldn't receive it. Okay, offense, you can give out, okay, let's call this another thing, deflecting with Jesus, <laughs> Okay, ever ask somebody how they're doing and they're like, awesome, you, and then you start talking about them? That's called deflecting if you all need a little psychology lesson right there, a little red flag. If you're ever in a deep conversation with somebody and they can't talk about themselves. Okay, I was giving love to everyone, but I couldn't get it from him. I just couldn't take it in because I was so offended. Like, I really don't want to feel your love. I wanted a miracle. That's what I really wanted. I don't want to feel your presence again. I want Sarah. I don't want you to tell me a prophetic word for somebody. I don't want to encourage somebody. I wanted breakthrough, God. I want you to heal this heart that never feels like it's coming back again. Okay? Offense, it altered how I received love from him. I could give it out. I was literally deflecting with God. And just so you know, he's a genius. So if you think you're winning, you're not. He's just stalling for your benefit. Okay. He was stalling so that I could catch up and realize I could trust him with the brokenness. I could trust him with the pouring out of love that felt so offensive. Like, uh, okay, I'm so happy I feel your love. Do you remember that you can do other things too? <laughs> that arrogant, offended, broken place needed his love but couldn't take it. Okay? And that's where our heart loves to lie to us in our faith and take us off course. 
So I realize that some of you actually feel like this today. You feel like, oh man, I got some things on lock and key. It's really hard for me to take in the love of God because I've been burned in some places where his character is true and his nature is true and it confuses my faith. Okay? Tonight, I just want to encourage you that it's okay to journey that part of your heart with God and you can trust him. You can trust him to carry you through this process. Just don't put him outside your process. Let him come into the process. Let him come into the depths. If no one else knows, he does. Let him come into the hope. Let him come into the faith. And then let him seep into the love. Okay? He will not shove himself on you. He'll wait with you. Okay? If your pursuit of Jesus doesn't include intimacy being fully known by him. Tonight, he wants to fully know you. And that's not a scary thing. That's the most beautiful thing about him is that he would love us. Wretches like us, amazing grace says. People like us who mess up. People who get offended at crazy things. People who are broken. People who have pain. He loves us. He loves us in those deep places. So how do you receive great love from Jesus in pain? Our verse tells us we draw near to him. Okay, for some of you that is going to be the most courageous thing that you've ever done. Because you actually want to hightail it out of here and leave. I go, not my story, not my life, not my testimony. I don't believe it. Hasn't been my journey. But I'm telling you tonight that he's here to pursue you. As you pursue him, you're not coming to get from him. You're just coming to love him and be known by him. Walls down. No deflecting. Fully worshiping him, which is our affection towards him, okay? Now, I'm highly aware that right what I said right there can cause offense. <laughs> Again, like, no, if he wants to pursue me, he can find me out in my car while I'm screaming at him because of what I just said, that you need to pursue him, okay? Don't let the enemy rob from you tonight. Just saying, it isn't his job always to pursue us. It's his loving kindness that draws us in, and then we draw near to him when we bring him what is vulnerable. Okay? So I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And I just want to declare in, that room, in the room that the love of God never changes. The love of God never changes. The love of God never changes. Our hearts do. Our minds do. Our souls do. But the love of God never changes. 
And I'm just praying tonight that in this message that you would actually feel his heart of pursuit for you in the offense. But like the woman, the Canaanite woman, come after him. Come after him because you know that his love never changes. Come after him despite the distance, despite the perceived distance, despite the hurt, despite the offense. Come after him tonight. So I want to say this is not going to be uh, the easiest season for some of you. (laughs) And I'm not prophesying. That's just wisdom. Uh, Repair with God is sometimes messy and broken but it is incredibly vulnerable and beautiful. And I'm not talking about just girl emotions. So let me just say, if you're a guy in this room and emotions to you are one word, that's okay. God made you. God knows you. And it doesn't have to be snot everywhere for you. That doesn't make you less emotional or less in love with God. Okay? I hate that we've told a culture that if you cry, you love God. And if you don't, you you don't. Okay? Both are not fair. Okay? However you are in relationship with God, you can hear him. You can feel him. You can know him. So tonight, I actually just want you to pursue him out of your heart not your emotions, (laughs) okay? So tonight we're going to receive on the other side of pursuit, which the pursuit is an act of our will. If we can all just agree with that, draw near to God. It's all an act of your will. Submit, resist, and draw near. It's all you. It's all on your plate. I promise you that he's going to meet you here tonight. And so tonight, I actually want us to do something that is an act. We call them prophetic acts. So you guys can stand. And I just want you to clear out of your head that this is weird because it's actually not. Okay? Weird is running away from God and never talking to him. That's weird. Okay? I'm going to ask you guys to do something that's just a little different and it's not weird. I promise. I actually want you to step out and pursue God. You're going to tell your body, because our body and our souls are sometimes in charge. We're going to tell them, no, I'm putting my spirit out front. I'm actually going to submit to the spirit of God, to the spirit of God that's calling me into an encounter with him. But it's on me. So I'm going to respond. Okay? So you can dim the lights if that helps you guys doesn't help me, but if it helps you, we'll just help the Holy Spirit along, and you don't have to be self-conscious about it. Again, I'm not looking for, like, (laughs) up here. I actually want you to bring your whole heart where there's offense, where there's pain, where there's frustration, where there's questions. I want you to come in submission to drawing close to Jesus tonight, because he's here to meet you as you pursue him. So the songs that we're going to sing are a reflection of pursuing him on our plate, our job, on our heart, 
It's our affection turning towards him. So, Father, I thank you that tonight you are the God of love. God, you have created us to be in love with you. You have created us for intimacy and friendship with you. And so, Father, I ask now that your Holy Spirit would come and be made manifest, which means to be made reality in this room, that there would be an embrace of who you are in your fullness, the counsel that you bring, the light that you bring, the truth that you bring, the freedom that you bring. Father, I thank you that as we submit to you, as we chase after you, as we have a plan of pursuit for you, that God, in our offense tonight, you would take what has offended our heart and let our minds be caught up tonight in the name of Jesus. Father, I ask that where we are offended, Father, that you would come in and you would break it off in the name of Jesus. Father, I ask that where every lie has been planted inside of us by the enemy of our souls and then of our spirits, that, Father, you would come with your truth now and you would lead us into freedom And Father, that you would set us free to be fully known by you, the God who created us and knows us anyway, that God, we would encounter you in such deep love tonight in the name of Jesus. Father, I ask for everyone who needs their faith restored tonight, that God, you would come in your power and your might and you would set the captive free, that God, there would be a relationship that is restored and renewed with you tonight, God, out of your loving kindness kindness. We thank you that you've drawn us into your loving kindness, that Father, we can partake of your loving kindness whenever we want. So Father, I ask that tonight, God, you would find us at your feet. God, that we would be close to you. And Father, we would bring everything that's in our heart to be fully known and loved by you tonight in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Lake Mount Young Adults Podcast. For more information, please visit us at lakemount.ca or follow us on Instagram at lakemountya. Have an amazing week and we hope to see you soon.